0: Can we have the house lights on, please? And I got a tan this week already, so I'm good. We can turn these off. It's warm in here. It's toasty. All right, now I was able to see my notes. Now forget it. Uh, let's pray. Father God, Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we uh, thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, Lord. Thank you that we can uh, come and and worship together and just come before your throne and, and, and just uh, take some time and look at your word and see what you have for us, Lord. And I pray for all of us here. Uh, we will be open to what you have, sensitive to your Holy Spirit, uh, and that we would not walk out of here the same way we came in. You're, you're the one who changes lives, Lord, and I pray that um, you would do that tonight. We thank you, Lord. We love you, and we ask things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good evening. Uh, if you have a Bible, open it to Second Kings chapter five. 2 Kings five. And uh, we're going to be looking uh, first fifteen verses. But let me ask you a question real quick. Who here? Raise your hand, I want you to raise your hand. Who here does not make any mistakes? Now you guys are good. Okay, I'll ask it again because some people is like we all make mistakes, right? I mean, even if you, even if you wanna, don't want to admit it, we make mistakes. Sometimes we don't want to admit it because people are going, hey, you were wrong. Uh-huh. No. Is it? Especially for us married men when our wives go, hey, you were wrong. Oh, what do you mean? Some of you guys made a bunch of mistakes today. All the way here, that's where you were late for the concert. And it's not a big deal. Consequences are not terrible for making that kind of mistake. You just got to know more parts of Pasadena that you care for. You know, just know where Third Street is. And uh, But, you know, I made a mistake Friday. I finished, I was not finished with my studies, and I made the mistake of not putting my studies for Sunday morning in the gym and then tonight here in my Dropbox so then I can work on them at home on Saturday afternoon. And so I sat in my living room, opened my laptop, and realized, oh so i drove to church saturday night and was here uh, in a huge dark empty building all by myself but i'm a tough guy and i i handle it well not really cuz this this roof this this building makes noises uh it's yeah it was i armed the whole thing i just locked myself in my office and i swear that people came in and out all night it was just yeah Now, there's some mistakes that have greater consequences, like running a red light. That's not a good one. Uh, Running a stop sign in front of a police officer. (laughs) Stopping at a stop sign and wait for the light to turn green. I did that last week. Oh, five people behind me, they weren't too heavy, buddy. Driving and texting at the same time. That's an expensive mistake. I, I mean, I... I don't know about it. 5.30 this morning on the way here, I caught up with this lady on the 210 freeway. She was in the fast lane doing about 55. I'm not kidding you. I don't know how she was driving. (laughs) And I looked at her for a while. Didn't even look up. She was straight as I left. Then there's some more serious mistakes like uh, lying to your parents, just lying. Period. Yeah. Uh, making a mistake on your income tax, and if you make a mistake, if the IRS makes a mistake on your income tax, they just say you're oh, sorry. Sorry, we made a mistake. In your income tax. If you make a mistake on in your income tax, sorry is not enough. Stealing driving while intoxicated, people make mistakes. We, we don't want to make those mistakes, but you know what? We, we, sometimes we blow, and we, we blow and make mistakes, and, and these things have consequences. But there's one mistake that has eternal consequences, and, and that one, the, the, the one that will have the eternal consequences, is the one that none of us wants to make. And maybe you never thought about this. Maybe you're like, okay. But I hope that after tonight, you don't have to worry about making that mistake, that you do something about it, that you don't you don't find yourself in a place where you make the mistake that will have eternal consequences. And uh, even in the process of that, sometimes we make mistakes when we look and see what God is doing in our lives or how God works in our lives or how God works in, the, in that part of our lives to get us to the place where... We come to, to, to salvation. We come to the forgiveness of our sins. And we, we have this, these ideas sometimes in our mind of how God should do things or how God shouldn't do things. Um, and and that's, that's the text that we're looking at here um, in Second Kings chapter 5. My page is 366 of my Bible. and In verse 1, it says, Now Naaman, <clears throat> commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria, he was also a mighty man of valor. And then he says, "But a leper." His name meant pleasant and gracious, which is kind of interesting. You know, his name is pleasant, but he's got leprosy. So he was a commander in charge of the army of the king of Syria, a powerful man, a man also uh, who was highly honored, regarded, highly regarded by his master, the king. But he was a leper. So his position, his power, the uniform he wore, the man he commanded, the influence he had, the connections that he had, all of that automatically was overshadowed by the fact that he had a disease that he had no control over. And not only that, a disease that was an automatic death sentence. Um, It was a matter of time before leprosy killed him. And slowly. And, and nothing but a miracle could save him. Not, not his power, not his influence, not even his king. If you go to, like, Leviticus 13, you have a whole chapter on dealing, you know, how Israel dealt with leprosy and what to do about it and how to figure out if it was leprosy or not. But The bottom line is that you, you were shunned by people at times forced to live away from, from loved ones. Second uh, Chronicles twenty six twenty one says, King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. So not only he was separated from the loved ones, from the people that he cared, the people that, his, his children, but he couldn't go to temple and worship God. So he became unclean. All of this while knowing that eventually... You would die a terrible death. Now, in the Bible, when you look, uh, leprosy is is a picture of sin, because just like sin, it begins small, kind of like a cavity, and it just you, it's not a major thing. It's little here and little there, and but eventually it takes all over the body, and eventually it kills you. Paul in Romans five twelve says therefore just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin. And thus, thus uh, death spread to all men because all sin. The so sin spread like a contagious disease, and, and bring, it brought forth death. Both physical, but more important, sin brings forth spiritual death. It separates us from God. It separates us from God. And, and now, an unforgiven sin separates us from God for all eternity. Paul Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of, of the glory of God. Christ came to give us life and the forgiveness of sin. And today, people could be just like Naaman, could be successful at what they do, could be admired by others and, and have influence over people. But sin in their life brings consequences, now and then spiritual consequences. They bring death. Naaman was, was condemned. He was a dead man walking. It's just a matter of time. And so is the person whose sins are not forgiven. Walking around, everything seems fine, but you will one day die and you will be eternally separated from God. And Naaman was also an enemy. In chapter 2, in verse 2, it says, And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. As a Syrian, Naaman was outside of the blessing of Israel. He was an enemy of Israel. That's where I was before I became a Christian. I was I an was enemy of God. And the Bible talks about it, just, some, just like some of you. Ephesians two eleven says, Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcisions by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope. And without God in the world. You know, when I was before I was a Christian, I wasn't walking around thinking, oh, I have no God. That was the least thing, the least thing in my mind. But the truth was that I, was without, I had no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And then Paul in Romans 5 says that we, while we were enemies of God, he gave us his son. While we were his enemies, he gave us his son. And so, God had a plan for this man. When you, read, when you read through the chapter, it almost seems like he was a special kind of guy. I mean, he, and God wanted him to be saved in more than just, you know, physical way. But it's the same thing with you and I. Second Peter 3, uh, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's long-suffering to us. He's, he's still long-suffering to us today because he's not willing that any of us should perish but that we should come to repentance. He's, he's doing that today, tonight. And even though Naaman was an enemy of God, God made sure that he heard the good news that he needed to hear through that slave girl that they had brought captive in one of their raids. And in verse 3, it says, Then she said to her mistress, If only my master would, were with the prophet... Who is in Samaria, for he would heal them of his leprosy. He didn't deserve it, but God. God loved him. Like he loves you, like he loves me. And he wanted him to, he wanted him to heal. He wanted him more than just heal physically. He wanted him to be saved. And and this this young girl, she had access to her mistress. She she served uh, Naaman's wife. And and It probably meant that she was a faithful servant, and that's why she had this kind of accent. This gave her an opportunity uh, to talk about what her God was doing back home and how God was, you know, using this prophet to do these things. So her faithfulness and her job opened the doors for her to be a witness to God's work. And and that's a reminder for us Christians uh, of how important our witness is and for us to be above reproach and to live holy lives. Uh, to make sure that we don't we don't blow our witness, that no matter where we are, even if we're in places where we don't want to be, I'm sure this is not where she wanted to be, but she was faithful to what she was doing, and God gave her an opportunity to be a witness. And amen. Compromise in my Christianity or in your Christianity will eventually blow my witness. It will render my witness uh, uh, ineffective. It will do that. And so, you know, people should know that we're Christians, not because we're telling them all the time, oh, no, I don't do that. I'm a Christian. I don't. You shouldn't do that either. But because they see Christ in us. And, yeah, we correct and we encourage. But at the same time, if we're going to let people know we're Christians, then, you know, make sure that we, we're above reproach. Now, Naaman had heard the good news, and, and like anything, once you hear news like that, now you have a choice. He could have ignored and said, well, what does this little girl know? I mean... Really? We, 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 we have religious people here. Or she could have taken the opportunity... He, he could have taken the opportunity like he is going to do... And, and, and see what went on down in Israel. And the same goes on for us today. The good news of the gospel goes out. It goes out in churches and goes out when people share the gospel. It goes out all kinds of ways. That Jesus, the Son of God, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life... Died on the cross for my sins, for your sins rose from the grave on the third day, sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercessions for me and for you, and that if I ask him to forgive my sins, he will do that and give me eternal life. It's the gospel. It goes out. And when the gospel goes out, we have a choice. John three sixteen. You know, I mean, it's everywhere. That's an invitation. An invitation to make a choice. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. There's a choice. What do we do with that? Tonight, is God is, is giving you an opportunity, but it's up to you. I don't, I don't know where everybody's here. I know some people here. But God knows your heart. He knows where you're at, and, and He's given you an opportunity to say, Hey, you have the same kind of illness, the same kind of disease that's taken your life. Naaman makes the choice to go. and verse 4, it says, and, and Naaman went in and and told his master, probably the king, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. And and to him it was an obvious choice. I mean, the guy was falling apart, literally, little by little. And I know it's probably kind of gross, but uh, each day it it was evident that things were not going to get any better. But sin is doing the same thing in our lives. For him it was like, Yeah, i got to do something about this. I'm dying here. The sin is doing the same thing in our lives. And, and unless we agree with God that that sin will eventually kill us, we're going to continue to walk around like there's nothing wrong. But the truth, the fact doesn't change. It doesn't change the fact that, that apart from God, with unforgiven sins, we're dying. You go to the doctor, he gives you the bad news about some terminal disease. You can leave the doctor's office, ah, what does he know? I'm just going to go do my own thing, continue to do what I'm doing. That's nice, but doesn't change the fact that I have a problem. All of us have a terminal disease, and it is sin. And the only one that can take care of that, the only one that wants to take care of that, and he, he, he's the only one that can, is, is God. He wants to take care of that for us. He sent his son to take our sins upon himself. Verse 5 says, And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took, him, took with him ten talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. The numbers vary, but somewhere around 750 pounds of silver and 150 pounds of gold. It's a lot of moolah. I mean, that's a lot of money. It was a lot of money then. a lot of money today. And some of it was to pay for the expense of the trip, but most of it was to pay for his cure. Because he didn't know any better. He figured, i got to pay somebody. If they're going to take care of me, they're going to want something in return. And he was willing to pay any price to be healed, healed of, of this death sentence. And, and a lot of people try the same thing today. A lot of people think that by doing certain things or giving a lot to a charity or to a church that God will be pleased with them, that it is, well, I do all this, and therefore God's going to look and go, look at him, look at her. Yeah, I'm going to do something. God loves us. He's not going to love you more or less because of what you do or don't do. Remember, he gave his son while we were still sinners, while we were his enemies. And the thing is, like, like Naaman, they're ignorant of God's grace for they tried to purchase salvation. You, cannot, you and I cannot purchase salvation or earn it. It's impossible. It's a free gift that God has for us. It cost Him His life, but it's free to us. First Peter 1.18 is it, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He purchased you and I, with his own life. No silver, no gold. God's not interested in how much money you have or what you own or what you don't own. He wants your heart. He wants your life surrendered to his so he can use it for for his glory. Not only did Naaman assume that he could purchase salvation, but then he went from one person to another. He went to the king of Syria, then he went to the king of Israel, it's trying to figure out, okay, who, who's, who's going to help me here? He says, then he brought the letters to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, and I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter, that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. He went to the greatest person in Israel. Because, I mean, if you want something done, you will go to the people who have some influence. And maybe he thought, well, just go to the king. If the king knows of anybody, he'll point me or to that person we will do something about it. And a lot of people do the same thing. They go from one person to another. They jump around while Jesus said, hey, I got the cure. I'm here. I want to forgive sins. Because the problem, seriously, our problem, your problem, my problem is a problem of sin. And there's only one person that can take care of that, and that's Jesus. He's the only one that could help. Actually, Naaman almost caused an international incident. He almost started a war. Now, the king of Israel knew this much, that this kind of deliverance is only able to be done by the power of God. He knew he couldn't do it. It's like, that's what he said. Do they think that I'm God, that I'm able to make alive and kill and do these things? Just like only Jesus is the one who saves. Acts 4.12, it says, no, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So in verse 8 it says, So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. The Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And you have to kind of picture this. It's not just some guy in a horse shows up at your door. I mean, he was important. He had people. He had horses and chariots. It's this whole company just pulls up in your front door. And he's directed to the right person, but he stops at the door. He stops right there and how many people come to church you know they come to the house of God but, but they never come to God coming to church doesn't save us just like laying down in your garage doesn't make you a car you know you can try it you can get dressed all in red and you know pretend you're a Ferrari but it just doesn't and if you're not careful you might get run over when somebody pulls into the garage coming to church doesn't save us this, this is just a place it's just a building that we use to get together and, and come and worship God and spend time in the word and encourage one another and, and lift our hearts up to God I mean seriously there's nothing holy about this place and I'm not saying tonight just in general, it's just, just a building, you know. I, the, the truth is that if you're a Christian, you're the church. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not this building. This is where the church comes and gets together. We're the church. We're the building. First Corinthians six nineteen 19 says, or Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And isn't it interesting that people, when they find out that that a church got vandalized, they get all bent out of shape. But what we do to our bodies, oh, it's my body, my choice, right? Verse 10 says, And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times. And your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Now, the seven times doesn't, somebody goes, does the seven times mean something? Nah, just tell them to go seven times. And there's people that wonder, "What well, this is what it means. But it was simple. Now, Elisha doesn't even come out. He sent a message, he goes, go tell them to go to the Jordan and wash. Just dunk himself seven times. Simple. Just like the gospel is simple. In, in Acts chapter 16, uh, Paul and Silas are in jail, singing worships to God all the way until midnight. Earthquake comes, shakes the whole place, doors fly open, their chains fall off. The jailer, the jailer comes in thinking, these guys run away. He's ready to kill himself. Hey, hey, we're here. He brings them out, and he says, in, in Acts 16:30, he brought them out and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And what did Paul and Silas go? Well, you know, you have some take notes. I'm going to tell you what you need to do to be saved going to take a while. Do you have time? Watch this. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That's it. That's it. Paul, Romans ten thirteen says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God makes it simple. You and I, we, we have this problem. We like to complicate things, don't we? Especially us guys. No, you ladies too. We, we all like to complicate things. <laughs> I'm not speaking from experience or anything, but I'm just saying. (laughs) Sorry, honey. Naaman's just a guy like you and I. He goes, what? Just go and..." And, and. 11 says, but Naaman became furious and left. He went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place. And he healed the leprosy he wanted you know he wanted a a channel forty style just smack somebody on the forehead and but he rejected the simple message and and you look at it, what happened he he already had an idea of how this needed to go down. He's like, well, that's not how I picture I, I I figure he'd come out and and then he you know there's a big deal, and he lays hands and waves his hands over the area. That has fallen off, and and there it goes. And honestly, it doesn't matter, you know, how we think God should do things, or how on why he or why he should do things. It's what does the Word of God say? What is what is God telling us? Because many reject the gospel. It's too simple, or well, I I I I, I don't know. Is that that's it? Yeah, First Corinthians one eighteen. The message of the cross is what? Foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. And and that's that's where the world is at. That's where a lot of people. It's like, that's it. All I have to do is believe in Jesus. Yeah, you believe in Christ, that he's the son of God. Came, died on the cross for your sin, rose from the grave. Asked him to forgive your sins. He'll do that. Give eternal life. That's it. I don't have to do anything else. I don't have to crawl. No, you you don't have to dance. No, I mean, you can make a fool of yourself, but you don't have to. What does this word say? And Naaman also allowed pride to get in the way. He says in verse 12, Are not the Abana and the Parpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. He's saying, Do you know who I am? Do you know where I come from? Have you seen the rivers? But he missed the point. Because the healing was not in the water. It was in obedience to the message. Elijah says, go and wash. Just as salvation comes from a right response to the gospel. Not by, if I walk forward or if I lay my hands or if I get on my knees when I ask Jesus to come into my heart. No. It's in response to the gospel, to understanding that my sins separate me from God. And I need forgiveness of those sins. And the only one that can do that is Christ. But God wasn't done with him. And you see God's grace at work here. Like he's not done with, with a lot of us, with some of you tonight. Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's not done. So he goes and sends another witness to him. And verse 13 is this: And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father... If the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than when he says to you, wash and be clean. Another servant or another group of servants, just like the first one, which is a reminder to us Christians, right, because we are servants. But it's like, hey, if the if you would have said, you know, climb the highest mountain and don't eat for 20 days, and then you probably would have done it because... It required work on your end. It required you to sacrifice. All he said, just go and wash. Verse 14 says, so he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a a little child, and he was clean. His obedience brought deliverance, deliverance from death, from the disease. But even something more, he, he found God. He came to know God. He came to know that there was a God in Israel. He says in 15, He says, And he turned to the man of God. He and all his aides and came and stood before him. He didn't just stop at the door this time. He came and stood before him and he said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in in Israel. He goes, Indeed, I know. He had the assurance. In verse 11, it says, Indeed, I said to myself, this is how I think he should have done it. He thought, well, this is how it should be. Now he knows. He says, indeed, now I know. Big difference from what he thought he knew and how he reacted and and now knowing. And the question is, do you indeed know? Like Like he did now here in verse 15. He had all these ideas. He was presented with, with with a witness and an opportunity, but then he was like, "Okay, well, then we're going to need to do things this way. Maybe we need money. Maybe we need to talk to all the important people. Maybe you know we come, but we get to a place and then expect the guy to do things a certain way, and that's going to take care of it." And you know, a lot of times we have all these ideas of God, how God should do things, of how you know He he should according to what i think this is how god should do it he's god i'm not do you indeed know do you know jesus have you been cleansed from your sin and are you li- living in obedience to his word are you doing what the word commands when he did that when he when he answered to to the witness that was given to him in obedience he was delivered or are you going to let pride keep you from knowing Him? I said earlier, you know, we make mistakes all the time. But there's one mistake that we don't want to make. It's the one that has eternal consequences. The mistake of thinking that God should do certain things, and if He doesn't do it this way, then forget it. That's a, that's a grave mistake. The mistake of, of not knowing who Christ is. And not accepting the free gift of salvation that he gives us. Recognizing, you know, I'm lost. I'm in sin. I need the forgiveness of my sin because they separate me from God. And I, and I pray that tonight you don't, you don't leave the same way you came in. And, and maybe you're saved. Maybe you're a Christian. But maybe that pride is keeping you from what God wants to do. That's a mistake too. Pray that tonight, you, if you are in a place where Naaman was, you realize, you know, there's sin in my life, and it's killing me, because it separates me from God. It's not going to just bring physical death. It will eventually separate me from God for all eternity. I pray that you don't leave here tonight with that sentence of death. God wants to take that. He wants to take that from you. and And... And if that's where you're at tonight, it's simple. You don't have to do anything impressive. No. All you have to do is, God, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross and taking my sins upon yourself. And you'll do that. he will forgive those sins he will give you in your life. he will take away the sentence of death that we all have when we're apart from Christ. And then he'll give you a new life. And he'll give you eternal life. A new life that starts now, and it'll go on all the way into eternity. He'll mold you and shape you into the image of his son. And so that's you tonight. Uh, Ryan's going to come out, and uh, they're going to do a couple new songs and stuff. But we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. Um, my brother over there is—it's uh, going to be on the Saturday here. he to have some Bibles for you. But don't don't leave the same way we came in. Is there sin in your life? Take care of it. It's 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 just like that leprosy. Yeah, you know, maybe it's not a big deal right now. Maybe it's just a little scab. And and in Leviticus 13 said, you know, if you found some sort of scab, you went to the high priest and they had to look at it, and then they waited seven days. You go back and they look at it again. And they figure out, okay, is this leprosy or not? And it starts to sprint. Like, okay, you got a problem. And maybe, maybe sin in your life is just a little scab. It's not a big deal. You're just scratching it off. And, but it won't stop there. Just like that cavity, you know. You can ignore it until you're bent over in pain and calling the dentist to see you. Please see me today. Sin will do that. Don't, don't, uh, don't go home tonight the same way you came in. Just uh, bring your sins before God and give it to Him and ask Him to forgive him. He'll do that and he'll give you eternal life. I want to thank you guys for coming. Uh, I think Ryan's coming out. And uh, if you have any questions, if you need any prayer, if if you if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and and, and ask for the forgiveness of your sins, we're, we're going to be over there and and we we'll, would we'll love to pray with you, give you a Bible, and and uh, send you home a new person. Lord bless you guys.